Welcome to As We Understand Him, a weekly coffee chat exploring a deeper relationship with God as we understand Him. You can download As We Understand Him weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at As We Understand Him Podcast. For additional information, to hear episodes, and to access resources and writings, please visit our website, asweunderstandhim.coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys trying to figure out the God thing, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, what's up, my coffee-loving brother? Dude, I love that song. God's got such a beat to it, doesn't it? It just yeah. kind of just kind of gets you moving. Yeah, and I need to get moving. I, you know, I. No, I, you don't. You have so much energy, so much drive. You know what, though? So I much mean, purpose. Uh, uh, wow! Wow! And wow! Boom! Yeah! Boom! Doesn't happen in love a day. You, man. I mean, doesn't I just, happen in a day. <clears throat> I love it. Super excited to be back here today, though, because uh, as we understand him, yeah, as we understand him, and and you know, or don't. Right. Oh as man, we, I got a lot. I got a lot. We of should have. Yeah. We shouldn't. Have, as we don't understand him. Right. Right. Isn't it amazing? You story. just. You just. There's more and more and more, and and uh, that's the that's the real beauty of it. Yeah, oh, I love with, it, man. Like a like. With AA, there's like there there's a framework. I mean, there's constant improvement, but there's a there's a framework to the program. With God and the relationship, there's really not a frame. It's just ongoing. You get them in the morning, afternoon, evening. It's it, yeah. I'm not making sense. <laughs> I'm just excited always, to be here. You always you always make sense. We no, from, I, I understand what you're saying. There's it's it's free form. Yeah, it's free for right. You know, it's right. not like it's not like a downhill skier where you have every single right. gate. You got to go by any, you know, and you got to go the exact. Order, I love that. Right. It's it's more like the half pipe. Yeah. Right. You know, where it's freestyle and 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 hey man, if you want to do a triple flip in the middle here, go ahead and do it. Right. You know, if you want to have a prayer in the middle of the day, go ahead and do it. I love that. By the way, don't say pipe to an ex ex addict. I thought you took pills. I did, okay. but I'm just a little humor there. <laughs> so listen, we're back. I didn't, I didn't want to trigger you. Yeah, so thank you. So we're back. Uh, we're back this week because uh, last week you um, you volunteered me to tell my story. I know, love that. And uh, and and it was good, you know, because when I went back, you know, to to kind of put the the bullet points down, um, it was really rewarding. The experience was rewarding for me because I saw. It, it, you talk about the tapestry, right? You mm-hmm. see, you see, you see what's going on in your life, and you see it in one way. But if you flip that tapestry over, you see all these threads, and they don't seem to make. Well, that's sense. the ugly part. That's the ugly. That's part. That's what you live day to day is the ugly part, right? And it doesn't make sense to you. you but, see the actions when you don't feel like it, and right? Bleh. Right. But when I flip my tapestry over to, it's to cool. yeah, to tell my story, I'm like, wow, I could see what where those different color threads made sense to me. So what, love it. Do you have a tapestry you want to tell us about today? Will you, will you want me to tell my story? I'd love to. <clears throat> okay. Um, super intimidated. You know, I I don't view myself as being a Jesus freak, right? Where I'm on the uh, street corner preaching or you know with a bullhorn. That's not me at all. Um, and and my 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 story's ugly. Um, you know, so I'm a little intimidated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? As we always do on our podcast is we just open up fully transparent, full kimono, as you say. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you say, right? <laughs> full kimono. What, what do you say? I don't know. Um, okay. So, oh my gosh, it's probably going to go for four hours, but 
I'm going to try to get it done in 26 minutes. Um, okay. So when, when I grew up, first of all, I was adopted, and I was adopted into this wonderful family, um, Bob and Ethel. And, um, you know, I, I realized from an early point in my life that I had a drug problem, probably when I was about five years old. I started realizing I had this drug problem. And, and the drug problem is that I was drugged to church. Um, you know, I grew up in a very strong Christian, Bible, faith-based Christian value uh, home. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, by, by the way, that drug thing was really funny. <laughs> there's, Brian, there's Brian laughing. I'm just, I know it's like, man, Glenn was doing drugs at five. Wow, no, at five no, years old, I was old, drugged you were to church. Drugged? I, I was drugged to church. I was drugged to Sunday school. I was drugged to church, and then Sunday nights we went to, um, you know, seven p.m. church, and and then I went to uh, youth group, you know, for for years and years, you know, um, and and you know it was all in the head, you know, as you shared your story, you know, head and the heart, man. I had it all in the head. I won all the Bible drills. I was a leader in my youth group. Um, you know, I attended everything. I was the, um, you know, when you refer to Facebook, I was the good Christian kid, right, on the outside. On, on the inside, I was rebellious on the inside. Um, you know, and, and, you know, what, what I grew up with in my Christian faith as I knew it growing up, there are a lot of rules. A lot of, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. A lot of judgments. The church I grew up in, if you walked in in jeans, you were a, you were a sinner. You were a backslider. We had all the sexy words, you know. Um, had a lot of fear of God, right? Always God's the, the big boy looking over your shoulder. You know, my mom's favorite one is, hey, God's watching. Be sure your sins will find you out, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. You know, I just, I, it just didn't sit with me. You know, it was all fear-based. Um, you know, but, but I played the role, you know, and, and what I, what I recognized more in junior high and high school was my parents, you know, the, the Catholics, right? Glenn, you can't hang out with the cat. I had some friends in the neighborhood that were Catholic mm -hmm. and I couldn't do stuff with them. I mean, I, I could play around the neighborhood with them, but I couldn't go anywhere because they were Catholic. And when I was in high school, what I knew in high school is the Catholic girls were cute. And they kissed. The Christian girls, they were homely, and they didn't kiss, right? So, of course, my whole junior, senior high experience is I was living in the world of can'ts. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go out with mm. that girl. I can't go out with that girl, you know. And I remember going roller skate one time with this girl, and she was Catholic. And my parents flipped out. Mm. How you, we, we don't hang with Catholics. You know, we hang with other Christians. So I had a great life in the Christian bubble. Mm -hmm. So I had great. My, my my parents were awesome. My parents lived their faith up until the day they died when they were in their 80s. Mm. And I mean, I am impressed by that, mm -hmm. right? Because th th they didn't just you know say it; they lived it. And and so that was cool. Then I went to Liberty University, and wow, you talk about you know Christian nut jobs. Um, there were plenty of them there. Um, you know, they would go out in their vans on those street corners with their bullhorns, and I was like, I want nothing to do with that. That's wrong. That's nuts. That's crazy. Why would you scare people away doing that, right? And, 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 and I was embarrassed, you know. So when I was at Liberty, I got a job. I was always off campus. I was always just living my own life. I didn't want to participate in all that crap. But one of the things that I learned about at Liberty, which <clears throat> I refer to all the time, um, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, 
nothing made sense at Liberty. Um, you know, and uh, but there was a kid, right, who was really strong in his faith, and he um, he had a big test coming up, and all week all he could talk about was his big test, right? And I'm like, well, what are you doing about it, right? How come you're out doing this? Why aren't you studying? He says, oh man, I'm praying about it. And I'm like, well, shouldn't you be studying? He goes, nah, man, God, God can do all things. You know, I have faith. I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna study. I've, I've been to class, but you know, I'm not gonna study. I'm praying about it. Needless to say, he failed, mm-hmm. right? And and so I still, to this day, you know, what was that? Forty years ago, mm-hmm. I still remember how foolish that was, right? To just sit there and pray. I, I think there's some action that has to go along with those prayers. And, and hey, I'm still figuring a lot out, you know. Um, as we've shared, you know, I'm, I'm on a spiritual journey just like you are. The way I, the way I look at it is, you know, I'm, I'm in a spiritual fairway. Um, I still swing and I miss. I still shank the ball. I still screw up. I still curse. Um, you know, I still have bad you thoughts. Haven't, you haven't cursed the whole time now. No, I have not said the F yeah. word. I'm really trying. All right. Trying with, with the F word. I've done well lately, and that's because you've, you've kicked me. Um, and so then I left Liberty, right? And, and I didn't really believe all that stuff because I just saw, I saw it was fake for a lot of people, and it just didn't, it's just a world of cans. And, and, and so I got in the business world, and I found a, very quickly, I found a world of, of coulds, you know, of, of, of stuff just worked and, and stuff where I put myself and my effort into, and I got great rewards and I got great accolades. So, you know, I, I went hot and heavy, you know, in, in my career and, you know, over at sober.coffee uh, podcast, you can hear my, my story of booze, but you know, I got wrapped up in booze for, for years. Um, you know, as I was drinking, and just, you know, real long story short, you know, I landed up going over 75 hospitalizations or detoxes. I went to four full-blown rehabs. I went to a, you know, five-week day hospital program for highly functional people at Rush, you know, a big, you know, medical facility here in Chicago. And, and I, I sat in front of 10 PhDs. Everything failed. Nothing, nothing worked. And I just could not get out of that drinking. But there were, there were two, a, a couple of spiritual things that I experienced along the way. Um, one is, is I just felt that, I mean, as much as I didn't agree, didn't align, couldn't click with all that Christian stuff growing up, I really feel that inside me, I had a compass that was, that was set, you know, spiritual north. Um, and, and I knew when I was chasing my career and doing all that other shit, I knew that I was moving away from spiritual north, and, and I, that's really important. Um, so you felt that conflict, that wrestling match? Yeah, you used the word wrestling match, so did I. Right. I, I felt the wrestling match because I knew when I was out drinking and doing bad stuff and, and you know, not going to church and all that stuff, I, I, I just knew it was against what I was, you know, my spiritual north. Mm-hmm. Love it. My soul north, right? So along the way, I had this visual. And, and I'm telling you, it is such a real, real visual thousand times is I felt like I was at, and, and being a drunk, I threw up a lot, right? So I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. And I remember, you know, puking, those times of puking at the bathroom, I had a visual of God or Jesus hold me back, you know, um, by the back of the head and saying, hey, Glenn, are you ready yet? to make a change. 
And I remember many times I'm like, no. He goes, okay. And he shoved my head right down that filthy toilet. Not one of these sexy ones at the Ritz-Carlton. I'm talking about a, a dorm toilet that hasn't been washed in two years. Filthy. And he shoved my head back down in it, and I went right back into my own alcoholic hell. And, you know, then I'd come up, you know, a month later, three months later, and, and i puking again and, like, hold my head. How about now, Glenn? I'm like, nope, I'm almost there. Shove my head right back down for some more alcoholic hell. And, and, and I really live that visual for, in fact, when I'm in church today, I still, during communion, I still have that visual. I still think about that because I'm not there today. Second thing is I always had two prayers. Um, you know, people say foxhole prayers. I, when I had the shakes, which was almost every day, you know, I'd, I'd wake up, I'd drink all night, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., trying to manage the shakes, and, and i wake up at 5 and curse the mornings, and i have the shakes. And I had two prayers. One is, you know, God, please take these shakes away. I'll do anything. Just take these shakes away. I mean, it mentally drove me out of my mind. And the second thing is, God, I need a million dollars. Specifically a million dollars. Just a million. Yeah. And, and, and what really pissed me off is I never got answers to those prayers. And like, well, if you have faith of a mustard, Steve, you move mountains. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's bullshit, mm-hmm. right? But, because nothing ever happened. But, but, I, but I'll say this, and I'll you know, come to the end of the story real, real quick, and, and, and then I'll fill it in a little bit. What I know today is that God answered those prayers. Um, and, and he answered those prayers by, one, giving me the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, where I can learn and become sober and live differently, so I don't need to drink booze to escape my life. Ergo, you don't shake? I don't drink. I don't shake. Yep. Second thing is God gave me talents in business where I can go out and I can earn a million bucks. Mm-hmm. I just don't open my bank account. and It's there. I have to go do the action, mm-hmm. right, which we referred to earlier. So it was really funny because, you know, my parents being Christian, you know, I remember times trying to explain to them that I'm an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was like I was talking to a wall. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They didn't want to understand it. And all my mom, you know, God bless her. She was a great mom. All she kept saying is, oh, Glenn, all you got to do is pray about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. I have 10 PhDs at Rush who are going to figure out why I drink and they're going to cure me. Or I got, you know, four other, you know, guys throwing meds at me. You know, Mom, prayer, prayer's not going to work. I got all the other help. Well, come to find out, all the other help did squat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just made, made me worse, actually. And, and in the end, you know, prayer really mattered. So, all right, to move it along, because we don't have four hours. Yeah, we do. Um, September 2014, I surrendered. Um, you know, a couple years before that, I was 95% sober, but that 5%, I played the game, what hospital am I going to next? What devastation? September 2014, I went to a... a Work conference, I relapsed there, four days of conference, total blackout, landed up in six hospitals through a week time, landed up, you know, in an eight-day detox after that, you know, across the country. I landed up in an eight-day detox, and on a Friday afternoon, I landed up on my counselor's floor of what was going to be a four-month program, and I surrendered. And, and we use a lot of words, right? So I'm, you know, sometimes we don't know what they mean, but I want to describe what that word means. I said to my counselor, I, I was sitting on the floor because I couldn't even sit in a chair. I was hurt so bad. And I said, I said, I, dude, I will do anything you tell me to do. I just cannot take that next drink. And so I did. So 
what I knew at that point, I knew what North was inside my soul, inside my heart. I knew what North was. And I knew, just I just knew that getting back to God was going to be part of my sober journey. I just knew I didn't, had no idea what it looked like. I just knew I did. So I remember that first there was a church in St. Charles, Illinois, Christ Community Church. And I can remember going there that first Sunday I was in rehab. Well, actually the second. When, the second Sunday. So I had about eight days sober, I guess. And I remember my head was such pain, emotional pain. Everything was pain. And I go sit down in church. And I sat in the third row right in the middle. And for one hour, I felt like a million bucks. So I don't believe in lightning bolt events, but, but maybe that was my lightning bolt event, mm-hmm. right? It was so evident and so obvious to me that I was in the right spot. I, I, I mean, I just can't tell you the head and emotional, physical turmoil I was when I walked in that door. I sat in that seat, and for that hour, I felt like a million bucks. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. To the point where I said, you know, I wonder if I stay for another hour if I'll keep feeling this <laughs> way. And I did. I sat through the next service. And what was very noticeable is when I walked out that door at the end of the second service, all that pain and all the unease and all the same self, same right on guilt, remorse, all that, you know, self-love. I mean, it was at the minute I hit the parking lot. Yeah. So, evident. so evident. So next week I went back. And for that hour, Amazing. And it was just evident to me that that was part of my journey. And I said to myself, and I made a commitment to myself, um, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. You know, I, this is part of my solution. It was just kind of my, my lightning bolt, and I committed to going weekly. So very quickly, I moved from there. I moved to another part of Chicago land, and I landed going to this other church called Parkview, you know. And, um, and I loved it because they played really cool music. They told some funny jokes. And, you know, it was very relatable. Um, and, I, and, and, and so I said, hey, and I started dating this girl and I, and I, who I landed up marrying. But I told her, I said, hey, this church is really important to me. Here's my story. I, you know, I'm going to come to this church every single Sunday and I want you to come with me. And, and I was to the point of my surrender where I'm like, if she doesn't want to come with me, I can't have a relationship with her, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I just need somebody to support and somebody to come. And, and she'd been to that church a couple times, and, and so she was familiar with it. And so she said, sure, I'd love to join you. And, of course, the cynical side of me is like, yeah, that'll last two weeks. <laughs> but she still goes years later, right? So Easter of 2015, I think we should have an episode on this because it was, like, monumental for my spiritual journey and kind of my, my, my past, dealing with my past and recognizing, categorizing, and labeling that, mm-hmm. my Christian past versus what's ahead, right? It was Easter 2015 at this church, Parkview, and, and the singer sang something in the water, and, and we, we should do an episode on it. Right. But it, it, it just, it was so monumental for me that I was in the right place, you know? And then since then, you know, I, I, I can remember I was trying to dive in, right? They, they, I went to this Saturday morning men's breakfast, right? And uh, we're going over this program. I got eight guys around the table. And this guy says at the table, right, kind of brought back some of my growing up. Somebody said something about alcoholics. And, I mean, nobody knew I was one because at that point I wasn't telling anybody. 
But he goes, oh, those alcoholics, they're the most evil people in this world. He goes, oh, they, they should be done with. And I can remember running out calling my sponsor. And I'm like, this shit ain't working, man. Are you kidding me? I'm in church and they're mocking, they're, they're bashing mm-hmm. on alcoholics, you know. And, and he reminded me, he said, Glenn, just keep going. He said, just keep going. That's one guy, you know, that's one guy, you know. So, um, so I started to volunteer. You know, I went to this, um, I started volunteering high school ministries. So I was a leader for high school guys. I don't even like high schoolers. <laughs> but I was just raising my hand. Sure. I was getting by, into, by the way, there's really nothing to like about a high school. No, I mean I have a couple now. <laughs> you know, it's it's they're just well, you hard. Gotta like you gotta like them. Well, they're different. No, I do. They're they're cool. Um, but you know, I I had no idea what to do. But this is where I started to realize, um, you know, getting in the spiritual pool. Just get in, right? You don't have to figure out all the stroke. You're gonna figure stuff out when you're in the pool. But get in the pool. So I was, you know, leading high school guys, and I have two quick stories from that. One is I went out with one of the leaders that was like 22. And he went to a Christian college, and now he's a ministry, and a youth minister, blah, 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 right? So we go out to lunch, and, and I'm talking. He asked me my story. So I gave him a you know, high level of my story, and, and he says, um, oh, oh, so I said, hey, I'm trying to figure out this whole God's will thing, right? And, and, and I'm trying to be a smart ass. I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out this God's will thing. I said, I don't get it. I said, it's not like, you know, God comes down every morning and fills out my Outlook calendar. Right? I'm a business guy, so you know, I, I, I live by calendars. And that son of a gun looked at me and he goes, Glenn, I get it. I mean, 22-year-old, 22-year-old kid, right? He looked at me and he goes, Glenn, I get it. He said, why don't we start with this? He said, why don't we start with just outlining what God doesn't want you to do? And it was like somebody hit me over the head with a two-by-four. I'm like, I, I understand that. I can, I can quantitatively figure that out. And, and that's in where, in, in my mind, I use the spiritual pool a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's where, in I'm, I'm, my mind, I got like the spiritual fairway, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and now, all of a sudden, in my, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got it, right? God doesn't want me to drink. You know, God doesn't want me to be immoral. You know, God doesn't want all these character defects that I'm trying to deal with in AA at that point, right? I'm trying to learn them, I'm trying to identify them. You know, we got the beam on the beam off the, you know. So, so in my mind, I left that lunch and I was in a spiritual fairway. Now, even today, I swing and I miss, I shank the ball. We, we, we talk and laugh about that. But I know for a, without any doubt that I'm in the right spiritual fairway. Sometimes I even aim for the wrong pin. But I can't tell you inside of me the relief and confidence that that gives me that I know where I'm supposed to be. And that wrestling match has been quieted. I know where my true north is. I know what pin I'm shooting for. I'm in the right fairway. You know, and then there's blah, blah, blah with the right people, with the right tools, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So I left there very meaningful. Second thing is I, I, I learned a key lesson from a guy from one of these high schoolers, right? We were trying to figure out what living with Jesus is like, right? Or having a relationship with, with Jesus is like, and we're you know, talking about it, and this kid says, look, I'm a hockey player. He says, if I tell people I'm a hockey player, that's great. He goes, but 
I have to do more than just tell people I'm a hockey player. If I'm going to be a hockey player, I need to learn the rules. I need to go to the ice time at 5 a.m. I need to eat right. I need to practice. I need to go to the gym, right? I need to watch, you know, games so I learn, you know, I, I need to go to my, my skills practice. I need to talk to my coach. I need to – and then he looked at me because he said, if I don't do any of that stuff, how can I call myself a hockey player? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then he looks at me and goes, I think it's the same way with Jesus. You know, if, if, if you say you have, you're trying to build a relation with Jesus and you're not doing any of the stuff, you're not digging in, you're not listening to content, you're not going to things, you're not connecting with the right community, if you're still doing all the bad stuff, how can you say you're having a relation with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, dude, that, that was worth the two years that I put in those weekend retreats where I didn't get any sleep. <laughs> so then, then you know, we, we have a um, pastor at, at, at our um, campus. Our church has a couple campuses. It's one of the mega church things. But my, my pastor invited me out for coffee, and I felt like I was going to the principal's office. So, so I... We're, we're just going to ask if maybe you don't come to this church anymore. Was that what you were expecting? Well, no, it, it was no. It was, hey, Glenn, let's go out for coffee. I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to know your story. So, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking the church I grew up in, if you wore jeans, you were a backslider, you were a sinner, right? But I'm starting to learn differently in this church. I'm starting to learn. I mean, their motto is come as you are, right? And at first I thought, hey, you can come in flip-flops. And it does, because I, I wear flip-flops and shorts at the church. But what it really means is come as you are spiritually, right? If you're effed up, if, you're, you know, if, if, you, if you hate God, cool, come. If you have no clue, no, I mean, if you question everything, it's okay, um, come. Right. It, it's cool. And, and it's such a welcome at. So I sat down and had coffee with this guy. I said, you know what? I'm going to test this. So I told him my story. All-out story? All-out story. It was at the 10-foot level, no 80,000-foot stuff. It was a 10-foot level for an hour and a half. And and I was waiting for the stiff arm. I was waiting for, oh, Glenn, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for coming around. Can you, buy line? Can you pick I, up the tab? Yeah, I got to run, <laughs> right? Um, and and because that's what I was used to. I was, I, I was waiting for that dude at the uh, breakfast Bible study. Yeah, right, right. Alcoholics are evil. But you know what he did? He leaned in. And he said, Glenn, he goes, look, I know you've got 20, 30 phone numbers of AA guys in your phone. He goes, I want you to do me a favor. He goes, please. He goes, put my number in. He goes, I want to be the 21st. He goes, if you ever need anything, and dude, I'm getting chills. I mean, that's I, I that's, that's a good sign for me, man. That I'm talking about something important. But he leaned in. He goes, "Look, I want to be on, on that list." Um, and still to this day, and that was probably five years ago. Still to this day, you know. In fact, I just joked with him. I said, "You know, I never dreamed that I had my pastor on speed dial on my phone. I mean, I, I just never dreamed it." Um, so, so stuff like that that I started to really, you know, pay attention. So here's, here's what I got this time. So we're at March of 2018. Here's what I know at this time. I got 30 AA brothers that, I mean, they will do anything for me, 2 in the morning. I mean, there's unbelievable, right? 
But I had a thirst. Don't forget, now my due north, my spiritual north, I've got that clicked. I'm learning. I'm in the pool. I'm learning stuff. And, and, and hey, I'm not drowning, right? I'm doing okay. And, well, sometimes I drown, but I get back up real quick, right? I'm still trying to figure stuff out. And, and so our church has, like, promo videos. And they put up, it was March of 2018, they put up a promo video for this program called Rooted. And it's a 10-week quote-unquote spirituality program you learn about god you learn about everything right you learn about strongholds which are things that are crushing your life and booze certainly crushed my life i went to zero right so so what i remember in that church service at that time i remember pointing to the screen and i said that's what i need and there was a screen of nine guys, and they were all huddled around this one guy who was in a hospital gown. And the story was, you know, three months ago, these guys didn't even know each other. Now they're huddled around this guy, helping him go through cancer treatments. And then the story was, you know, they learned about God together. They explored God together. They, you know, made mistakes and figured stuff out, and, and they're still learning, right? And, they, right? And, and, and this guy that they were huddled around again passed away, right? But I remember pointing that screen, and I'm like, that's what I want. I want a team of spiritual guys that will help me grow spiritually as much as my AA brothers help me stop drinking and build a different life that I don't need to escape from with booze. And I prayed for it that day, and I'm like, I'm like, God, well, I call him dude. Dude, that's exactly, and, and, and I don't use the word dude for sacrilegious or whatever that big word is. I do it because I feel I have a relationship with God, right? And I have a very personal relationship, and, and I respect God. It doesn't mean I don't respect him. I actually love him, and, and I view it as my level of relationship. Anyhow, I'm like, dude, that's what I want. That's what I need. Let's deliver that. So September of 2018, they have rooted couples version. So my wife, Jen, and I, we go to Rudy Couples. There's a laugh. She goes, Glenn, I know these AA stuff. You, you get down to the two-foot level. She goes, trust me. You know, these people in this group, these other couples, these, why, they want the 80,000-foot Glenn. They don't want the two-foot Glenn. So I'm like, okay. So the whole thing, 10 weeks, softball. So I come out of that, and I'm still hungry. I still want what was on that screen. So I get together with PJ, or my, my pastor, and we have coffee. And I'm like, dude. I said, would it make sense if I went through Rooted again with just guys? And he said, absolutely. He goes, you get a lot out of it. He said, in fact, he said, I want you to lead it. <laughs> and in my disbelief, I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, you know my, and I said this word for word. I'm like, you know my story. I said, I am not qualified for that shit at all. And he looked right at me. He said, Glenn, that's exactly why I want you to do it. So I did. So um, that January of 2019, uh, I started to lead a group of nine guys, right, for this rooted. It was 10 weeks. And the very first week, this guy, Brian, shows up and he goes, hey, he goes, guys, I might be late on a couple of these. He said, I'm getting some medical treatments, you know, got cancer coming back for the fourth time. And. You know, so he goes, you know, I might be late. Well, long story short, trust me, it's a long story. His cancer got worse and worse. He landed with intensive care for most of our 10 weeks. And, and it hit me, it hit me 
in like probably the sixth week, there were seven of us that went to his hospital in ICU, and he was, you know, may not make it through the night. And it hit me that I was living, and, and all this is documented, so zero of this is made up. I have witnesses in March of 2018. I, I told people, I told my, my, my pastor I prayed for that. And now I'm in a hospital room, seven guys around a guy with cancer. And we did so much for that guy. There, there were times that I stayed down there with him and just slept on, on his couch overnight. I had no idea what, I, I'm like, Brian, dude, I have no idea what to say, man. And I mean, he was taking breaths, like it was so hard to take the next breath. And we were loving on his family. He had two twin, you know, three-year-olds at that time, or, five, or I think they were five-year-old. I mean, it was just crushing, right? And, and all, I, all I knew was stay in the pool. That's all I remember, stay in the pool. We used to listen to music together. And anyhow, long story short, September of 2019, um, I was holding his feet when he passed away. And uh, my... My pastor was in the hallway watching through the window, and, and I, I came out of the room after he passed, and I mean, I was just, I was just wiped. I didn't even know what to do, what to think. I just, I was numb. And my pastor walked up. I was leaning against the wall, and my pastor walked up about two inches from my nose, his face. And he's like, God gave you exactly what you asked for. I'm like, yeah, I got to watch out what I pray for. <laughs> but uh, as an amazing experience, um, you know, and, and, and at the end, you know, he, um, one of the, on week one, I'm like, why do you want to be here, right? And there were so many times during that I had no idea what to do, and I kept calling my pastor. I'm like, dude, I'm in the wrong chair. Because week one, he says, I'm trying to figure out this whole God thing before I pass away. And I'm like, I, I'm not qualified for this. I don't have a theology degree. I don't. I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and my pastor and I had a spiritual mentor in the church at the time. Both of them just said, "Do the content. Turn on the lights. Do the content. Hang in there." Um, and it was one of the most meaningful things that I have ever gone through. So we have continued with that, um, you know. And, and you know, folks, when when you get in the pool, it's just amazing what can happen when you're in the pool. Um, you know, so, so we, we continue with our group after that 10 weeks. We call ourselves the rhinos. The rhinos are big and strong, you know, and, and they're one of the fastest animals on a short period of time. I mean, you, you see them in the zoo. They're massive, right? But one of the things about a rhino is its eyesight. It can only see 30 feet in front of them. So a group of rhinos is called a crash because when these rhinos get going and charging ahead, they can't see where they're going. They crash, right? They crash in and stuff. And that was really, we, we learned this from this book we were reading called The Barbarian Way. I don't know who wrote it, but um, it was a good metaphor for our group. We were big men. Some of us were big guys, strong guys. And spiritually, we had no idea what we were doing. And sometimes we ended up hurting ourselves. And, but, man, we were in the pool trying to figure stuff out, you know. Um, so, so then, you know, still going to uh, uh, church Right, I mean the whole spiritual fairway thing. I, I remember going to church with my, um, and this is another clicking moment, with with my son, teenage son at the time, and we were driving home, and the message was about Jonah and the whale, where Jonah goes on the whale for three days and then comes back, and and he looks over at me, 
You know, he goes, Glenn, he goes, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? I'm like, what? He goes, come on. A dude went in a whale for three days and, and lived, and, and come on, you don't believe that. I'm like, I do. He goes, Glenn, come on. You heard this thing called science. He goes, you can't breathe for five minutes underwater. And I'm like, I believe it. And he goes, Glenn, you know, and this went back and forth a couple times. And finally it clicked for me. I said, look, I said, I believe it because I choose to believe it. I said, and here's the thing for me, just like the AA book, I believe every word in the AA book because when I go to change the words, that's my ego getting in place. And I said to him, I'm like, if I don't believe that story, what else don't I believe? Where do I draw the line? Right. I mean, do I not believe in Jesus now? Do I not believe that he died and came right, back? You know, right, right. So, pick and so, choose. Yeah. Right. I am not going to pick and choose. So I believe everything. Yeah. How much time we got? About four hours. No, we don't. So, you know, there's so many stories, so many God shots. I know one of the things for me, you know, along the way is um, forgiveness. What I realized from the Bible, and we went through this, the Chosen series, and, and what, what I realized is God loves on the misfits, right? And, and I viewed myself, and I still view myself as a misfit. I'm not one of those guys in the purple robes and the fancy, you know, hats and the, all the all the stupid necklaces and that. I, 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 I'm not I'm not one of them, you know. Um, but I learned about you know stories in the Bible, right? So so now I'm getting right between religion, which I think is a bunch of rules, most of them man-made, most of them are bullshit, um, versus. A relationship, and you know, you mentioned that, Mikey, in your story, right? Um, and 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 there's a couple stories in the Bible that just really hit me. Um, one is the prodigal son story. I mean, that is my story. Um, you know, I went out. You know, I, I grew up in a home. I went out and did my thing, and landed up at rock bottom zero. The dude in the Bible landed up in a pig pen. I wasn't far from that. In fact, I might as well have been in the pig pen. But when he came home, right, the, so the church I grew up in, when he came home walking up that street and the dad sees him, right, the dad didn't pull out a notebook, you know, and say, okay, you spent this amount of money. This is how you spent it. Are you kidding me? You did this? Are you kidding me? You did this? You did this? He had none of that. When he saw his son coming down that path, man, he opened his arms wide open. He goes, welcome home. And that's what I needed, and that's what I, that's what I still need. Um, second one is, you know, again, you see stories in the Bible, all these religious people. I, I forget what they're called, but the religious leaders. And, um, and Jesus didn't hang with them. Jesus hung with the misfits. If you, if you look at the 12 disciples and, and who Jesus selected, selected people like Glenn that were screw-ups you know, that really failed in some areas, that really went out and lived his own purpose, you know. Did you notice he didn't pick any of those purple road people? He didn't. And But there's a story in the Bible that, that I just, you know, I just love. And, and Jesus hung out, you know, and he went and visited Mary at the well, the woman at the well, right? The woman at the well was a prostitute, had a bunch of, you know, she was not she was not a, a, a religious woman. 
But he went at noon, when, and, and she was there at noon because nobody else would be there because nobody else would talk to her or associate with her. And he went out with her at noon at the well, hot and heat of the day, and loved on her, you know, and just showed her love. And he goes, I understand what you did. It's all right. So when I saw stories and learned about stories of forgiveness, Mikey, I needed a lot of forgiveness. I mean, I, I carried so much heavy weight. And, and my, not only did through the AA steps and the eighth and ninth step did people forgive me, I know God forgave me. And then eventually I was able to forgive myself. And what's really cool today is because of that, I can forgive others like the weather changes in Chicago. It doesn't mean I'm going to lay down and get screwed again, right? But, I mean, people say, hey, man, I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> no sweat, you know. Um, you know, so I, so I learned a lot, you know, from being in the spiritual pool, the stuff I listened to, blah, 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 right? And I'm still in the swimming pool today. You know, uh, my spiritual journey has changed the way I live, the way I treat others. I try to serve people. I'm still learning. I like to get out of my comfort zone, right? Because that's where the growth is. That's like what we're doing this, man. You know, you mentioned, hey, I'm intimidated sharing the spiritual stuff because we didn't go to Christian college with all these degrees and all this. You know, we, we don't say 11-minute prayers with words like sanctification and edification. We don't do all that, right? We don't get points for all that. All that shit doesn't matter, man. You, you know what matters? You know what prayers I think God hears most? I swear, when I went to church going up, our church, our, our prayers were 12 minutes, and I timed them. And they used all the big words like somebody got points. You know the prayers I think God really hears? The one that you prayed. I need help. No big words in that one. But I think you get the best results, you know, from, from real prayers. I do daily meditation. Daily contact with people and brothers that are in the spiritual, you know, fairway or spiritual pool. Again, whatever, I, I laugh, you know. And, and, and one of the things I say about sobriety is I do 23 things a day, a week, a month to stay sober, to not take that drink. And I keep doing them because I don't know which ones work. I know coming up on eight years that all 23 work. And I think I'm going to look at it from a spiritual perspective and start listing the things I do in the spiritual pool. And now I think we've, I, I don't know what the list is, but we've added one and that's our, uh, as we understand him podcast. So brother, thanks for letting me share my, my story. My story's still evolving. Um, oh. you know, I am, Oh, here's, here's a funny thing. I was, um, when I grew up, I used to have to take my Bible to church and I always like hide it under my armpit, you know, so nobody in the neighborhood would see me carrying a Bible. You know, that was embarrassing. Well, a couple of years in sobriety, this, this doctor from our room called me a Bible thumper. And I'm really not. And I was like, I was kind of went back to that, you know, boyhood shame, you know, of being a, being associated with being a Bible thumper. And now today, pretty darn proud of it. And you should be. You should be. You're Boom. in the you're in the pool and you know, thank you so much for for sharing, Glenn. Um, there were so many things that I won't keep the listeners long, but uh first of all, the purple robe people, dude, that's really funny. Um <laughs> I've I'm not of, sure what they're called, man. I know, but, that's what but I the call purple robe people. Bunch of, bunch of fake man yeah. stuff. But you know, I, I tell you, you know, Bob and Ethel drugged you 
but it's so funny because you pointed to their commitment to not just saying it, but to living it. And throughout your story, especially as you turned the corner and you had your moment at the church and you said, this is where I need to be, from that moment, you started living it. I have the benefit of having lived that with you for the last five years. I have the benefit of being a rhino, part of this small group of men that would go to a hospital room, uh, need be in the middle of the night, and help a brother along and pray for him. Um, you know, I just, I think the other thing that, that rings true is that, you know, you said the word evidential, you know, or evidence, facts. You know, I've seen the facts work in your life. And and for me anyway, I, I look at that and I say, look, he's in the pool splashing around. I desire to be in the pool splashing around because I see the results in your life. And again, it's not the million dollars in the bank account. I love the way you frame that out. You know, it's not the miraculously getting a million dollars. It's the fact that you can you can get it. Lastly, I want to say that what you said, the key word is what your pastor, uh, PJ, said to you. And that was that, what does God, what does he not want you to do? Now, mind you, you went on to say he doesn't want me to drink. He doesn't want me to drug. He doesn't want me to do this. He doesn't want me to do that. Not he demands I don't do this. He doesn't want me to. It's a relationship. Just like if I, I know what my stepfather wanted of me as a kid. He, he couldn't demand I do it, but he wanted that. Does that make sense? Yep, I mean, absolutely. I love the fact that you used want because that's a relational word, you know. Well, that goes back to, you know, when when we were talking behind the counter, right, about the song "With or Without You," right? Right. Um, I would. I have a decision. Right. Right. Um, you know, God will wait for me. But I mean, he life is going on. The world is going on. Faith is going on. You know, His purpose is going on, mm-hmm. with or without me. Right. And I just choose today to be with Him. And I love the fact that you said that we're all misfits. Um, you know, let, let, let me jump in real quick with something that just hit me. Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of faith today. And, and my faith is backed up by a lot of facts. Absolutely. But there's a real, there's this guy that I respect in, in AA. And, and, and we were talking one time, we were having coffee one time, and he says, he said, Glenn, look, he said, how many people in this world, how many religions? He goes, they all believe different things. Some believe similar, but... He goes, at the end of the day, somebody's probably wrong, right? And I thought about it, and, and he goes, yeah, Glenn, but think of it this way. He goes, he goes, you have faith that you're on the right path for you. And he says, worst case scenario, he said, what if you're wrong? He goes, look at the life you're living today. Right. You know, right. so much different from how it was. Right. And I'm like, no, I kind of get that, you know, mm-hmm. but I know I'm not wrong. I love it. I love it so much. Um, love you so much, man. I, I can't love you uh, too, man. I need I some more coffee to, after that one. Yeah, I can't wait to explore these things because there's. I, I was jotting down notes. There's probably we could probably have a hundred episodes based yep. on what you what you just. Uh, we are not going to have. But we're not going to have. Not going to have an issue finding content. That's for sure. Right. But uh, thanks for joining me in the coffee shop. Is we uh, God as we understand Him. 
Love you, buddy. Love you, man. All right, man. See you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at asweunderstandhim.coffee. If sobriety is your desire and you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255 or dial 988. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their personal experiences about their spiritual journey and their path to sobriety. Therefore, any medical, spiritual, or perceived suggestions are their own opinions and should not be considered professional advice. See you next week.